the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we close out the week here on Way of Grace, Pastor Jessica Stand will move us to 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 20. Arise, move and go. Our series continues with a tale of three stories, leadership, lepers, and the living God. Way of Grace, coming up next. As famines go, here in 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7 is a good famine. Well, good in the sense that it was all-consuming. Other than that, it really did take Israel to task. And within this story of this famine, there is a leadership issue that is being dealt with, lepers who find themselves under the grace of God, and a look at the living God himself. We invite you to spend time with us in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 20. Arise, Move, and Go, our series. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. The narrative in chapter 7 of 2 Kings lays out some things that we should already be familiar with. We should have seen some signals that we've been addressing. We should see some models and paradigms that we've already uh, been alerted to. We should understand the nature of the conflict at hand And even those of you who are visitors on Sunday ought to see some of the themes inherent in our text already. It can be easily observed in 2 Kings 7 that we're dealing with a conflict narrative. Would you agree? A conflict narrative. That can be easily ascertained. And all we want to do whenever we're looking at conflict narratives in the Bible is to find out who the antagonists are and who the protagonists are. And then I want to make sure I'm on the side of those that side with God. But sometimes it takes a little while to unpack that. And that's what we're going to do today. And I'm praying that God will grant you some attention. Pay attention to him. May he grant you to stay on the pathway. Our title is Arise, Move, and Go. That's the theme for us this year, is it not? Our master told us there's a time to be alert and then therefore obedient because where you are is not necessarily good for you. And as we look at our text, we're going to find a peculiar group of people who understood that moniker, understood that imperative. And because they were alert and arose, they were blessed, were they not? And we'll unpack that more fully. Now, our subtitle is going to be really the way I kind of deconstruct chapter 7 and lay it out before you. And I hope that it will make some uh, sense to you. It's a tale of three stories. It's a tale of three stories. The categories are obvious. Leadership. That's one category. And it's one narrative in its own right. I'll touch a little bit on it. The second one is lepers. Lepers. That's obvious there. 
This is what we call the, the paradoxical tension of the narrative from God's standpoint. You got these folks who are at the pinnacle of authority and control, but God's going to bless the lepers. And, and, and the evidence is going to be real clear as to why. That's why I want you to ask, may God open your eyes. So we got three categories, leadership, lepers, and the living God. Now, if you know the living God, you know the living God is not capricious or whimsical. He's not fickle like you and me. He is immutable and unchangeable. And I've said it for I don't know how many years. We got a God who cannot lie, change, or what? And that means you can trust him. You can trust him. So as we look at this text, this is going to be for us a study in several things. Political corruption. The principal calling of the church. And the profit that comes with really seeing yourselves for what you are in the sight of God. So let's deal with first point number one. I need you to get the larger pericope, the, the context, and that is the famine goes what? It goes deep. The famine goes deep. I was saying to myself as I was unpacking this and working through it as an outline format, I said, I'm probably going to have a hard time conveying to my audience the significance of famines in the Bible, because I don't think there's anyone in this room that knows anything about a famine. And because of that, what I'm going to be saying is much more theoretical than it is experiential. Unless we have some folks in the house from, you know, Africa or parts of India or areas of the world where famines have taken place and your mortal life was hanging on a thread. And as I said in Friday's study, I said to you that, um, you know, sometimes I have to think about God's goodness in my life because I can stick food in my face all day long and never even think about how abundantly rich I am in that regard alone. And so you and I are blessed and that blessing sometimes is a bondage. You and I are liberated and sometimes our liberation can be a curse. Those things that God gives us to us for our good often can be to our evil. Point number one, the famine goes deep because the famine is the result of rebellion against God. The famine is a result of rebellion against God. We know we are dealing with a famine in our context. If you uh, understand what's going on in Second Kings chapter uh, seven, where Elisha is dealing with the predicament from the standpoint of God's purpose and will for Israel. And I will have you to look at the sixth chapter, which is right uh, behind the uh, seventh chapter. This helps those of us who went to public school um, over in the sixth chapter, verse 24. Look at what it says. Uh, verse 24 says this, and it came to pass after that, after this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. You see that? Now look at the next verse. Here's the next verse. And there was a great famine in Samaria. That's the context. Now I'm going to drill down on the famine for you because really the larger narrative to God's covenant people is that God brings famine to his own house, which is Palestine the land of Israel, when Israel rebels against God. That famines don't occur naturally 
or biologically or geographically in an organic fashion. I want you to take that home because I'm going to bring that to where you and I are in a moment. Do you know most famines in the world, particularly in the 21st century, are artificially induced? Did you know most famines in our world are brought about because of power brokering nations wanting to put people in predicaments so they can destroy their resources and bring them into slavery? Did you know that? Now, if you didn't, this is what your text is saying. Look again at verse 24. Look at verse 24. And it came to pass after this, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and did what? And went up and did what? And went up and besieged it. And when you besiege a city or a nation, you embargo it. You cut it off from external resources. You cut it off from being able to import in what is needed for it to survive. The vast majority of famines in our world are not to be blamed on God, but man. Even the natural organic famines that we've had throughout the world in Africa and other parts of that could have been mitigated easily if mankind was good to one another. So don't blame famine on God, except to know that God uses it to discipline his people. As he told Job, if the famine comes or if the storm comes or if the judgment comes, it's because I'm chastening my people because they have failed to look to me in the time of trouble. And Jesus said it himself. Listen to Matthew 24, verse 6 and 7. Now, you know, saints, I've taught you this, but we're going back to the ABCs, are we not? Listen to how Jesus said it would occur throughout the world. He says, you shall hear of what? You shall hear of what? Wars and rumors of war. See that you do not be troubled for all these things must come to pass. The end is not yet. Verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation. That's an exegetical meaning wars. Nations shall rise against nations and kingdom against kingdoms and there shall be. You see the correlation now? Do you see the correlation? In other words, you will find wherever there is constant war and conflict on a political level between nations, somebody suffering the drought of famine. Today, it is artificially induced all over the world. I could sit here for an hour and talk about the famine that we're in and the famine that's going on around the world. And the reason that you and I are not feeling it is because our food supply is 70% artificial. We have a 70% artificial food supply, so we're eating on that which is harmonially modified. Now we know that, genetically modified. And so we don't sense the inflation and its impact like you would in a country where the resources are natural. And let me just kind of put a a, a pin in this right now. Often for American Christians, we think the world is just like our world. We are more than wrong. The vast majority of the world does not have the resources we have. They do not have the benefits we have. And so they suffer in real time faster than we do when anomalies like droughts occur or because of war embargoes and food supplies are not shipped to them. I must say this to you because some of you guys know where I am with a lot of this stuff. You new people don't, but you guys know I'm right on top of this in terms of the politics of our world. Here's what you must know. You and I will never experience over the next three or four or five years any serious depletion of our food supplies. While other states will and other countries will. 
because we are one we are one of the chief suppliers of food to the world. But we are also engaged in the manipulation of the quality of the food at the genetic modification level. Your grocery stores are a perfect example of the delusion of abundance because more than half of it is not worth eating. Now we're reading a text. We're reading a text that goes back to the ninth century BC. We haven't even entered into the first world revolution. We haven't even entered into a industrial revolutionary era. So what that means is science has not developed to the degree that it could mass produce the deception of genetically modified food as you and I have today. Am I making some sense? So we have to deal with the real time withering of the leaves whenever the food supplies are dried up by conflict and war. I just want you to know that. So under point Number one, listen to your God who told Israel, as long as you're in my house, if you obey me, you will never see a famine. But the moment that you disobey me, I'm going to bring all the curses of Egypt upon you. I just want you to hear a few verses. Deuteronomy 28, 48. Deuteronomy 28, 48. The whole of Deuteronomy chapter 28 will sanctify you, but we don't have time for it. Therefore, shall you serve uh, back up to verse 46. I'm going to run up into verse 48. I want you to hear this. This is about worship too. This is about worship. People ought to understand what's about to happen to them when they disregard worship. Here it is. Uh, Verse, let's start at verse 45. I need a context. So I need a verse for them. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and shall pursue you and overtake you. God is talking to his people until you be destroyed because you did not listen to the voice of the Lord, right? Now that's a macrocosm of what we're dealing with in our text. Because in our text, God gave a word of promise. We're getting ready to unpack. And some people didn't pay attention to it and they had a terrible outcome, didn't they? All right. So now listen to this until you be destroyed because you did not hearken to the voice of the Lord, your God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he commanded you today. Now, isn't God a good God to lay out a covenant before you and tell you the blessings and cursings of the covenant? And then he reminds you before he signs the covenant to not look, I'm going to keep my word. If you clown, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to keep my word. I'm just letting you know. You might think that you can modify your behavior, but I got you under contract. And I'm a faithful covenant-keeping God. If you rebel against me, I'm going to put you out my house. But before I do, I'm going to cut the water off and the electricity. Y'all get what I'm saying, right? As I tie history to the present, right? Look at the next verse. Verse, and it says, and they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder. In other words, when God brings discipline to his people, he's teaching everybody, don't mess with God. Now, notice what it says in verse 27. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with sadness. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with mourning. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with regret. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with complaining and bickering and anguish and anger and duplicitousness. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with gladness. Now, God is showing us an indicator of where we are going when our worship is superficial. See, what I've told this church for years is joy is a revelation of God's goodness in your life. You cannot fabricate joy. Joy, I 
authentically emerges out of thanksgiving because you recognize how good God is to you. And all God is doing in the text is saying, all God is doing in the text is saying, listen, this is who I am. I am worthy of you rejoicing in me. Notice what it goes on to say, because you didn't worship me with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of a few things for the abundance of what? I see, this is what I'm getting at. I'm saying, I'm saying it is not God's fault that mankind deals with drought and penury and emptiness and little and waste. It is not God's fault. God did not shape his world where it doesn't have enough to take care of 8 billion people. Are you hearing me? So we don't blame famines on God. Now, God will bring trouble in a quarter like we're getting ready to deal with. He didn't do it in all Israel. He only did it in Samaria. The two southern tribes were enjoying life for the moment because we're in the monarchy, are we not? And we're in a bad place in the monarchy. I'm about to deal with that now. You got time for me? We're in a bad place in the monarchy. I'm about to deal with that now, but it corresponds to where I am today. I see the leadership in my world just as wicked as I see the kings that are being dealt with in our present context. It's so vivid to me. It's so vivid to me. So what I'm, I'm getting at here is there is a limited famine. It's just stated in the sixth chapter in verse 25, and it's in Samaria. Samaria is northern Israel, the 10 northern tribes. That was the group we know that went apostate first, right? Really abandoned God under Jeroboam and, and under Ahab, and they sold themselves to do evil. And, and, and it was King Solomon that precipitated it, as you guys know, with massive idolatry. So the 10 northern tribes are under the judgment of God, and they represent today's liberal apostate church. For while they have the name of Jehovah on their lips, they worship every other God under heaven but the true and the living God. And that represents the culture I live in. And God's never pleased with you and I calling on his name only or taking his name to be named or uh, attributed to us only. It is to the degree that you and I enter into his name and own it, him as our father and we as his son and Jesus as our husband and we as his bride and us as sons and living, living sons of the living God committed to God's word. Does God bless us when we say in Jesus name? And this is what the text is talking about. So now notice what verse 48 says. This is important. Therefore, shall you serve your enemies? Now, didn't God just deliver them out of their enemy's hand? So they're about to go into the land. Moses is giving us the second giving of the law. Deuteronomy means a second giving of the law because they're about to go into the land. And all God is letting them know is you guys getting ready to go into a, a wonderful house. You didn't build it. You didn't provide anything for it. I'm giving you vineyards. I'm giving you olive trees. I'm giving you all kinds of wonderful provisions. When you get in there, you got to act right because you are representing me. And if you don't, I'm going to dry this place up and I'm going to allow the plagues that I'm delivering you from in the land of Egypt chase you down. You're going to suffer the same plagues in Canaan that you did in Egypt. Did that make some sense? That's exactly what the text is saying. So this is really what's going on in the day of Elisha the prophet. I'll get to him in a moment. What's going on in the day of Elisha the prophet, if we deal with the paradox of the narrative at, the, at another level, is God has an eminent servant. Actually, he has two. One is Elijah, now his protege, Elisha. 
These are two eminent prophets who lived in the time of Israel's most famished period. See, God still speaks to his people in famines. And he knows how to take care of the faithful in famines. While the general will rebel against God, God's true people will listen to the prophet and escape the severity of the judgment. Y'all know that. That's how God works. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. In times of famine, they will be satisfied. Now, God's not a liar. So somewhere along the line, God knows how to bring a raven and feed his servants in the midst of a famine that God had decreed in the mouth of his servant for three and a half years. Because Elijah did it, didn't he? And now his protege, Elisha, is experiencing famine as well. We've got multiple years of famine going on here. And I can tell you, famine will mess you up. Let's go on, because I want you to get this. He says, therefore, you shall serve your enemies said the Lord, and uh, against whom I will send against you in hunger and in thirst, in nakedness and in want of what? And he shall put a yoke of iron upon your neck until he have destroyed you. Again, in theology, we know how to parse these kind of negative positive principles. In the positive principle, back in verse, like verse 46, he said, because you did not rejoice in the abundance of all that the Lord had given you. Now he's saying, I'm going to bring judgment. Go back. I'm going to be bring judgment because of the want of all things. Now, how do you go from the abundance to the want except the Lord your God now is drying up your sources because of your rebellion and disobedience? Now, look, I I can go on because I know half of y'all in the room grew up broke and and poor like I did. And so you know something about robbing Peter to pay Paul, do you? And you know something about paying that bill extra, extra late, right? And you know something about how to take some of those canned goods and add a little bit of something to it to make a meal last, particularly if you're raising a bunch of knuckleheads. In other words, when difficult times come, God's people learn how to live in those difficult times. But what we have to understand is that those difficult times are often a consequence of bad choice making. See, when God saves you, he helps you to stop lying to yourself because half of the predicaments I was in, maybe even more, were a consequence of my wrong choice making. I can't blame other people for the mess that I'm in. Am I making some sense? Now, let me go on. I'm under point number one, getting ready to unpack three things here. First of all, I have stated that famine is a result of rebellion against God. Would you agree with that? Leviticus chapter 26, start at verse 30. I'm going to, verse 19 first. I'm going to look at verse 19 and then verse 29. Leviticus 26 is the other place you go. He says, and I will break the pride of your power and I will make your heavens as iron and your earth as brass. Boy, you're in a bad place when your heavens are like iron and the earth is like brass. That means the heavens are not opening up to bless you. That's the metaphor of God favoring you. God is in heaven. And when your heavens are as brass, it means you are receiving no blessing or as iron. And when uh, the earth is as brass, that means you are dealing with hot metal on your feet because the sun is shining down on it and you are totally uncomfortable. God means that. That's what he told Israel. Now notice what verse 20 says. 
and your strength shall be spent in vain for your land shall not yield her increase. Neither shall the trees of the land bear their fruit. You see what you're getting ready to experience? Famine. Verse 29. Verse 29. Um, uh, is that the end of it? There it is. And you shall eat the flesh of your own sons and the flesh of your daughters shall you eat. You see it? Now, Moses said that, and Jesus said in Matthew 24, woe unto you that are with children and that give suck in that day. And the context that you and I are dealing with in 2 Kings chapter 7, just a few verses before that, the king had to deal with two women that were negotiating with him to eat their children. So see, here's what God will often say. Hey, look, it can get real bad for you. It can get so bad that you will do things that you swear right now you would not do. Are you guys hearing me? So it's important for you to capture that God means business because God knows us, doesn't he? Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening, Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.